There you have another episode of Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero and hosted by the Heroes Media Group. This United States Air Force veteran actually flunked out of high school, eventually went back, actually flunked out of two colleges too, but eventually went back, not only got his MBA, but went on to get his PhD. That's pretty incredible. You're going to enjoy this today. Dr. Robert Garcia. Your steely-eyed killer shadow in the night You were born to fight You gotta light them up My name is John Krotek, and I want to welcome you to Straight Outta Combat Radio, audio medicine by Green Zone Hero. We're here to honor the wisdom of America's most valuable asset for combat veterans. We're authentic, we're empowering, we're American. Our guest today is warrior strategist and United States Air Force veteran Robert Garcia. Robert spent five years of active duty as a 52 B-52 avionics technician and spent 13 years in the reserves as an air battle systems manager. He deployed to Korea at least 10 times, including Guam and Qatar, for Operation Enduring Freedom. His story is an incredible one. He is originally from the small logging town of Eureka, California. Struggling with a, ch- with a learning disability as a child, he failed out of high school and later two colleges. However, he didn't give up. His determination and his persistence paid off. He went on to earn not just an MBA, but a PhD. We're going to learn more about that. Robert has developed a system of speed learning that helps others achieve their business goals using asymmetrical methodologies to process and retain information. He is the author of the Next Level Supercharged Speed Learning book. Right now, he resides in San Diego, California as a business strategist. He is the founder and CEO of Shift Advanced Life Design Magazine. I'm honored... Very privileged to have him here with us today. Welcome, Dr. Garcia. Thanks, John. It's an honor to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. You know, you, you kind of took the long way to get here, but you're here now. And, you know, we're excited to tell your story and uh, let the listeners hear how you uh, turn some of those challenges around and, and what you're doing now. But, but first, before we get to that, you know, tell us a little bit about the Garcia household and, and you know, what it was like growing up. Who are your mentors? Did you have a military background? Tell us about that. Okay, John, I'm going to be more honest with you than I've ever been on any media appearance I've ever been on because our vets deserve the truth and transparency because I know a lot of people didn't have the silver spoon growing up. So my childhood, I moved something like 16 times between first grade and 11th grade within the same town. Uh, 90% of my relatives are on drugs or serious uh, alcoholics. Uh, when I was 14, I lived in my grandmother's house, who was a hoarder. So almost every room in the house was floor to ceiling, garbage, clothes, uh, cockroaches, ri- uh, mice. And uh, my uncle would, when I'd go to school, he would break into my room, steal my stuff and sell it so he could buy meth. The police were coming by uh, pretty often to arrest relatives. I wanted to kill myself at 14. Uh, luckily, I, I, I persevered. Uh, so yeah, my childhood wasn't uh, exactly happy. Well, you know, that doesn't sound like it was. Was there any kind of military inklings or anybody in your family tree with a background there? 
my grandfather served on a carrier in the Pacific in the 40s, um, and he had an eighth grade education. And he was he was a, a good source of, of um, inspiration, I think. But it didn't really it didn't really click till I was older about how the military forged him into the man he was. Did you have dreams? I mean, you wanted to kill yourself at 14. So needless to say, you didn't have a great foundation. But obviously something was there because you broke out of it. Yeah, I uh, I didn't have any dreams. Uh, college was one of those things that other people did because I was really poor. Um, I didn't have any exposure. My dad left when I was three, so I was just raised by my mom who was going through her own problems and issues. And uh, I had no male role models whatsoever and nobody that could kind of guide me to, you know, greatness. So when you were in high school, a little bit after 14, when you were in high school, you, well, you dropped out of high school. What did you do? What kind of stuff did you do? Well, I ended up, I, I didn't really drop out. I failed out because I had a learning disability. And back then we didn't have uh, IEPs or, or drugs or anything to correct uh, uh, ADD and cognitive processing disorders. So I failed out of high school and then I ended up going to continuation school, the bad kids. I made up my credits and then I went back and got my diploma. And then I failed out of college, the first one I went to. And then I failed out of a second college. And by 19, I was sleeping on the floor and I couldn't afford meat. So that was, uh, the Air Force looked pretty good then. Yeah, by then the Air Force was pretty much so they could eat. So it was it was uh, make or break. I didn't have a choice. Well, what was that like when you uh, finally decided to raise your right hand and you went in? What was the training like for you? Basic training was was simplistic. It was back then it was six weeks long. And, you know, it's Air Force basic training. It's like a day camp. And the guys that were crying and flipping out because they'd never been away from home uh, I couldn't really understand that mentality because I'd been on my own for a few years. I was 21 when I when I enlisted, so a little bit older than a lot of the, the guys and girls. Um, tech school was hard. Uh, my job was nine months long. I had to go to two schools. I was an avionics tech on B-52, so I had to learn every single radio, navigation system, um, uh, wiring, like the whole nine. And I fi- almost failed out a couple times because keep in mind, I failed out of high school. I failed out of two colleges. Like obviously I had problems with attention. So tech school is very difficult and I barely squeaked by, but I made it. Well, congratulations. Where did you go to tech school? Where was that? Uh, I went to tech school at both in Texas. So the first one was at Lackland Air Force Base and the second one was at Shepard in Wichita Falls. That's pretty cool. What impacted you the most when you were going through all your training? Just the excitement of knowing I was going to have a great job in a, in a cool career. You know, I knew I wanted to do something in, in electronics and tech and I, I, I stuck it out. And the people I went through were really cool. I was I was uh, one of them became a combat rescue officer. One of them became like recruiter of the year for Ohio for the Air Force and just some really smart guys. There were like five of them and every one of them was brilliant. That's pretty cool. In fact, I can remember, you know, of course, I'm Army guy, but we were close to an Air Force base out in Colorado. And I remember all the Air Force guys we ever came in contact with always seemed a little bit of a, a notch up on the head space and timing. You know, not to say the Army's, you know, that were there were any less intelligent, but but it seemed like the Air Force had a lot going on for it. Yeah, you know, they, they put more of their funding in a quality of life. And you got to look at the size differences between the Army and the Navy. So obviously the, the funding and the budgets go to different different stuff. Um, but the Army still has amazing schools and so does the Navy. You know, it's, it's comparable as far as the, the training that they give. Yeah, absolutely. So did you move around the states to different bases? You know, you went to Korea 10 times. Were you? How did that work out? 
No, I was I was really lucky, and a lot of the listeners are going to get mad at this, but I, I was actually stuck at the same place uh, the whole enlistment. So I was working on B-52s, and then I was able to go to college. So by the time I left during my active duty enlistment, uh, like four years, I had a bachelor's, two associates, and a minor already in hand, plus a secret clearance and a background on B-52. So I thought I was set. That's pretty cool. So... Tell us a little bit about the combat support deployments. What was that about? Yeah, so I um, right before I left, I volunteered. And it was when we first started bombing Afghanistan in 2001. Uh, 9-11 had just happened, so I volunteered, and I took a three-month to Guam, just turning out B-52s 24-7. So that was my first, that was my first uh, you know, overseas uh, jaunt. And then uh, I ended up joining a reserve unit. Um Went to Korea 10 times in support of a bunch of different exercises to support the peninsula. And that's when I got my, my new job as an air battle systems manager. So I, I pretty much worked the video wall. Um, like, you remember the movie War Games with Matthew Broderick? Oh, yeah. Like, yep. so that's a that's like kind of like an air operations center, kind of the same setup. A lot of chairs, a lot of video walls, a lot, a lot of activity, different joint services. So that's that became my, my bread and butter and my new job. And then this last one, I worked at the busiest air operations center on Earth at Al-Udeed. Wow, that's crazy. You know, let me ask you this, you know, when you're in, you know, more of a technological management position of, of, of combat, what's that like? You know, we, we haven't had a, a whole lot of Air Force uh, veterans on our show. And, and, you know, what's that like? What is it like being like kind of almost displaced from the act? It's, uh, you know, it's a different scope and sequence and we all play our role. Basically, just to even go on this deployment, I did a different type of job this time. I did tactical data links. I had to go to three schools, John, just to just to be able to go on this deployment. And so that's a no fail mission. If you fail out of the classes and a lot of people did, you know, you're, you're not going. Right. And uh, tactical data links is hard. It's, it's, it's a very intense course. And uh, and I went to Fort Bragg three times um, in joint services. So there's defense contractors, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. The Marines were super squared away. Um, and so I went to all these schools and, and I passed all of them. And that was the real, that was the point. I even wrote about this on my warrior strategist blog. That was the point where I beat my learning disability because this was some of the most intense academics. This is harder than my PhD hmm. because, because it's a fire hose. So in one weekend, for example, you have to learn 540 pages of technical content on the capes and limbs of every system, all four branches. That's an example. Wow. That's like cramming a lot of information in a very short period of time. Exactly. Wow. And, and so I got all three of my certificates. I was real proud of myself, but I had to change my learning style. And so that's where the speed learning stuff came in. So I started drawing diagrams more. I started utilizing uh, study teams. Everything pretty much that I did earlier to fail, I, I flipped it around and I did it to win. And so it, it worked. And I passed every single test first try. That's awesome, man. You know, so what experiences in the military of active duty, you know, in that deployment, those deployments in support of combat, what did, what did you learn the most? What was the most memorable experience? Um, I learned the most from the, the last uh, deployment uh, this year as far as the, the workings, the importance of the team and understanding um, that that Marine next to you might have the answer to what you're doing, even though like he's an E2. My boss over there was a Lance Corporal and one of the most squared away guys I've ever met. Um, but but as far as like learning lessons, just know, and this, this translates to the civilian listeners too. Understand the skills of your team, like really delve in, hey, what's your background? What's your degree? And you know, what have you accomplished? 
and, and really, once you understand people's powers and their backgrounds, you're a better leader. Absolutely. You know, you can't, you know, the strength of the team is the ability to be able to have the communication between all members to know what weaknesses, what strengths, what skill sets and, and how that integrates. You know, so so did you do any deployments as a reservist into the combat area or was everything as active duty? No, the um, the only the first one to Guam was, was active duty and every other one to Korea and you did was uh, was as a reservist. So I volunteered for the for the six month or two you did. I didn't have to go. Right. What was the uh, morale like, you know, with those Air Force bases? Korea's been good. Morale at Udeed was spotty. Um, I don't want to complain, honestly, because I know I had it good as an airman. But it was very intense. It was it was imagine being an air traffic controller like JFK. Like that's the equivalent, because every single day you can have a, a, a foreign player breaching airspace, which requires a, a scramble. You might have to pull video for an incident. An entire system linking every tactical data link in Iraq can shut down. So all of a sudden you have a three-star on the phone within about a minute. All these things. It, it was just intense working over there real world, but it was also a good, you know, good test of trial under fire. So morale was morale was on some days it was good, on some days it was bad. They took care of us the best they could, but it's a transient base. Everyone's only there for six months or a year. Right. Was it? Did everybody know what they were fighting for? Oh, absolutely. Everyone. There was a, a, a sense of pride that was that was there by everybody. I mean, even the even the coalition, the French, the the Brits, and the the Aussies. Everybody understood the mission because Al-Udeed runs everything in CENTCOM. Al-Udeed runs Afghanistan, Iraq, and I'm not telling anything classified. This is all on the internet. Yeah. But it's it's the hub for all air air operations. Like if, if a fighter goes up or a Marine Mobile Command unit goes up in Afghanistan, we're connected to them. We set up the links. We coordinate. Al-Udeed runs everything. So more like the brain center of entire combat operations, basically for that sphere of influence. That's a lot going on. Yeah, because they, they take care of Iraq, um, Iraq, the Arabian Gulf, and Afghanistan all at the same time. So you're monitoring three ongoing combat zones. Well, it's pretty incredible, you know, and, and it, you know it's complicated too because you do have all those different countries. You got all that pieces of equipment, you know, Air Force, Navy, you know, ground forces. It's got to be a pretty complicated uh, system for sure. So tell us about the transition. So you were over there as a reservist, but when did you finally decide that, you know, you wanted to do the speed learning and you wanted to get back into school? Were you going to school at the same time you were in the reserves? Um, yeah, when I got out, the transition between active and reserves was about three years. There was a period of three years where I was just a dirty civilian. And so all I did <laughs> was uh, I went to school and got my MBA and then immediately rolled around and said, you know what? I'm going to push it and I'm going to, I'm going to get a PhD. And it took six and a half years. I was reservist the whole time. And a, a lot of the guys in my unit were amazing um, at supporting me. And just every single month I'd go to drill and they're like, Hey doc, how's that PhD coming? You still going? And I'm like, yep. Yes, sir. What motivated you to go for the PhD? At the time I was teaching high school and I wanted to show the kids leadership from the front. So if I'm assigning them a three page paper and they're complaining about it, I show them that I have to write a 30 page perfect proposal and then they, they kind of get it. You know, you have to you have to inspire from the front. Absolutely. Definitely a good message to send to the young, you know, the future leaders of, of America, actually. Um, so tell us about the book. 
Uh, the book came around. I'm actually an eight-time author, so this was my eighth book, and I've written about a lot of different things, um, ketogenic dieting, speed learning, teen success, a short autobiography, charter schools, just things that interest me. So this latest book, The Next Level Supercharged, um, I isolated 16 learning techniques that I'd use throughout my life to learn things at a faster rate because I can't focus in a classroom and I can't listen to somebody talk for an hour and expect to you know, have retention. So I, I isolated techniques like reverse engineering and diagramming and emulation in order to learn things better. And then I created something called the GMOSC, the Garcia Skills Comprehension. So it's like, imagine a pyramid. So it just has five levels and each of the levels is just a different, how well you understand something. As you go up, you know, you get into master and expert and that's that's what essentially everybody should try to to get to in their skill set. So I created that as, as more of a visual so people could see where they're at at, you know, anything. And then I interviewed five celebrities that had uh, really achieved something in life and deconstructed their process. So uh, Sergeant Joseph Kapachewski, who was the first person in the history, first amputee to, to uh, be reinstated to full active duty service on a prosthetic. He was a ranger and his book was incredible, so I interviewed him. Uh, one of the top street skateboarders of the 90s, Frankie Hill, and then uh, Team Hoyt, who are a father and son uh, team. The son has cerebral palsy, and they've run a thousand uh, triathlons together. So I just wanted to interview uh, high, you know, people that had achieved. That's absolutely incredible because you know, and you can learn something from everybody. Uh, there's there's commonalities, but there's also unique tweaks that people have in their personalities and and programs that they do for themselves to basically set them apart. That's pretty cool. So yeah, thanks. So I know you're that you are the warrior strategist now. I've been watching you for a while. You know, you definitely your story is pretty amazing. You know, to you know come from those beginnings that you described earlier in the show to what you're doing now. And I know, man, that you are you're out to truly help people. We've had you know I just want the listeners to know that you and I have had conversation off the air, and I can tell you straight up that Robert um, is definitely clued in to wanting to help people up their game. I know that that's one of the reasons that you were the founder and now the CEO or the CEO of shift magazine. Tell us about that. Yeah. Shift is an exciting program. It's, it's uh, it's a magazine. I think of it if Tim Ferriss wrote a magazine and so it's very vet friendly, but it's, it's more of a entrepreneurial magazine for anyone. And I try and interview really high performers. I started off a lot of people and this is, I, I want to encourage the listeners that if you have an idea and people might not agree with it, just run with it. If you love it and you really want it to be something, just go for it. Because when I started Shift, I heard from all kinds of people telling me it's a stupid idea. You'll never monetize. No one's going to care. You know, don't do it. And I just said, you know, the hell with you guys. I'm going to do this because I like the idea of a magazine. I like writing and I like interviewing fun people. And so by issue two, I'd interviewed uh, Dr. Howard Wasden, who fought in Mogadishu as a member of SEAL Team 6. And at that point, John, I realized this has teeth. This can go somewhere. I was profitable by issue two for, through ad sales. And then since then, I've interviewed uh, D- Dr. Dale Comstock who, of Delta Force, who's a reality TV star, uh, seven-figure coaches, New York Times bestselling authors, and a, a couple of other pretty good names. And so it, anytime you have a project where you get to interview people, always push to get the highest level you can. And don't be scared of anybody. I would, I would interview Donald Trump if it fit the, you know, the, the message of the magazine. I, I'll reach out to anybody. And that's why I encourage people that listening right now, don't be intimidated by celebrities, rich people, anybody. Get that interview. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that because you, you, you know, movers and shakers, you go beyond the movers and shakers and you go to a place beyond fearless. And you're exactly right. When you can tap in to that brain center of those people that have created changes in the world, that's some pretty incredible information to have. So I commend you on that. I mean, that's, it's not easy to do. It's a, it's a, it's a love of the art. And you definitely love the art. So kudos to you, doctor. Thank you. The, the, the secret, and I'm going to give, give a, a gold bar here, what Chris Softman calls a golden grenade. Um, the secret is to arrange a video call, not emails, not text-based communication, but a video call with the intended recipient, and then two times create value for them, whether it's promotion, whether it's whatever they need, and ask them if you don't know. But create value for them. Then you can ask for the interview. Then you can ask for the favor and understand something. Everybody wants coverage. If you start off a a YouTube channel or a blog or a magazine or a book, and even if you have five viewers, five readers, don't worry about it. Get some interviews. You got that right, brother. And you know, that that's a great point. Exposure is everything. And you know, you've said a couple things already. I've written, I've made some notes here, Robert, just to let you know, but you know, don't give up. And you're right. You have an idea, run with it. Sometimes some of the craziest, corniest ideas have gone on to literally change the world. And I can tell you the little bit that I know about you in the last couple of months, you have definitely made a huge impact Actually, in my life, but also in the people that your sphere of influence. So it does work. Get those interviews. I I appreciate that, John. Thank you. I um, I've had a philosophy since I started my business. I I started Shift like three years ago, and that's when I delved into entrepreneurial stuff full time. I I just you know just went for it. And and my philosophy is an old uh, sailor adage: a rising tide lifts all ships. And I spend more time promoting people in my network than myself. And when you do that. Other people will will turn up, they'll promote you, they share your stuff, they'll recommend you, but it's about being selfless and it's about thinking about your team first, and that's a military concept, um, rather than yourself. Absolutely, man. You know, I knew there was a reason that we were like magnetized, that, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Robert. When you can be selfless and promote those around you because you believe in their missions, it raises the bar for everybody. I... I'm glad you said that, man. I'm telling you. It really makes... Yeah. yeah it's awesome. It, it's how you create your network and it's how you create social currency. So now that I'm at a place where I am profitable and I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing pretty well, I, I really focus on the guys and girls that are coming up, struggling with business and that need that boost and need that help. I like to be the person that just emerges and says, here, I'm going to hook you up with a, a high sale day for free. And one thing I got on my schedule, John, every single day for one hour. I do free unpaid work to help people uh, lift into a higher income sphere that need it. Well, I know that's awesome work, Robert. You know, I've seen some of your videos and it's good stuff, man. I mean, people could be just tap into one person, you, and they could learn a hell of a lot. That's pretty cool. Thanks. I'm, I'm real big on business training and education because that's that's the biggest thing. You know, you, you always focus on the, the transitional period for veterans getting out and the skills that we learn in the military don't always translate to business, unfortunately. We, I think there's a, there's a big hole there that career transition doesn't always provide us when we get out. You know, we, we learn management in the military. We learn uh, uh, productivity, time management, some very vi- vital things. But we don't understand, like, how to build a team uh, on the outside 
product development, um, you know, business timelines, business proposals, things like that. Well, tell us a little bit about your transition. How did how did that relate? <sighs> Mine was brutal. I got out of the Air Force. I'd had a bachelor's degree, secret clearance, you know, all this electronics experience. I went right to a friend's couch and was a tow truck driver. <laughs> so Hey, man, you so, got to go somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm this fancy tow truck driver getting his MBA. So that lasted a couple months. And then I started doing entrepreneur stuff when I was about 28. So I started writing books and I started kind of delving into business and, you know, reaching out to entrepreneurs and, and trying to get some advice. And it's been a, it's been a struggle. The, the, my thirties were really tough. It was a learning period. And I, you know, I wrote books, I got media appearances, but honestly, John, the last six weeks have been the most explosive business growth I've ever seen. And I'm actually designing a course around what I did to break out. Have you read the book Crossing the Chasm? I bet you have. I know you probably have. No, actually, I haven't. That the, Crossing the Chasm and basically how to go from the startup, how do you bridge that chasm and get it to where you start scaling? But that's phenomenal, man. So you've been you've been working away one boot in front of the other, tow truck driver to PhD, <laughs> literally, and now you're starting to see the fruits of your labor just in the last 90 days. That's phenomenal. Tell us about it. Oh, I'm, I'm talking not even 90 days. I'm talking six, maybe four weeks, five weeks is, is just been crazy. So right now, what it looks like my life, I have something like 14 media requests for interviews right now in a, in a little book. This is actually one of them. I was, I was glad about this one. Um, I have more clients wanting to work with me than ever. I, you know, I did the clever talks, uh, so Mark Cuban's event, I got to go on stage as a media owner. So another advantage of starting a media platform, a magazine, I got to I got to be a VIP at that event and meet a bunch of millionaires and famous people and, and vets. And so that got me in front of my audience. And then I'm doing a branded event in about a week and a half in San Diego. So it's all these little things. And this was this was the biggest golden grenade I'm gonna I'm gonna drop for your audience, John. I want them to think about something. This is what my next course is gonna be based on. It is far easier to sell things as a celebrity that's an expert than as an expert alone. If you're famous and popular, and this is what I'm just starting to reach the lowest rungs of the ladder on, business is much easier. You don't chase clients. You can, you can um, stand out from your competitors. You can charge higher fees. And you're in demand all the time if you focus more on your celebrity expert quotient, which is just how well people recognize what you do. That's awesome, man. That is some great information to have. And, you know, I think I'm probably a little bit behind you, but it's just starting. I'm telling you, I'm feeling it, too. And and it has been, you know, I think, man, we're on the same wavelength because it really has been about the last six to eight weeks that we're <laughs> starting to see some play with our own company. So, there's definitely some synergy taking place. Let me ask you, have, have you read the book Big Magic? No. That's another book. I know you, brother. That's another book that you will love. Writing it down. Big, <laughs> Big Magic, uh, Crossing the Chasm. Have you read Stealing Fire? No. You would love it, Robert. I'm telling you, man, Stealing Fire is takes, the th and I know the things that you're interested in, you're going to love that book. But anyhow, not to take away from you, so... Let me ask you this. What what does freedom mean to you? And is freedom available to everybody in America? 
freedom means the for, to to me the ability to create your own destiny to shape your own destiny and to answer your second question I would unequivocally say yes, and this is why. If you think about someone, you know, and a lot of us have done time in Afghanistan, some really rough places around the earth, a lot of those people are stuck. They don't have access to internet technology, um, any way of bettering themselves, even like raw materials to where they can create some type of sellable product. In America, you have access to nearly everything, and a lot of stuff is free. And if, if people, feel like they don't have freedom or feel like they're, they're constrained by whatever, they need to ask more questions and they need to talk to a wider range of people because I feel like anybody, and I just had a client meeting last night with someone that came over from, I want to say Turkey, and she was astounded by how much opportunity she had here because she could be an entrepreneur. She already had like all these friends, she had access to the internet. You can go to the library and get the internet for free if you don't have a computer. Like there's people that come from other countries destroy when they come over here because they, they, they're they no longer chained. They can do whatever they want. So long answer to your question. Yes, everybody None. has freedom. No, that's a great answer. And you know what, man? I'm so glad you pointed that out because – we used to lead these guided trips down to South America. Most of our client base, as a majority of Americans that have not traveled outside the U.S., have no realization of that. They think that the rest of the world lives like we do. And yeah. and you're right, man. When when a foreign national comes here for the opportunity, they crush it next to some of their American counterparts. And it just drives me nuts. You know what I read the other day? This is This is even crazy. I read the other day. There's a country in the world that if you don't have a prescription, a doctor's prescription, you cannot buy chewing gum. So something as simple as chewing gum that we take for granted, we chew probably millions and millions of sticks of it a day. We don't even think about it. But in some countries, that's a luxury. This yeah. is, that, that just blows me away. Sorry, man. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't mean to get off track, man. Focus here, right? <laughs> no, it's it's uh that that no, that's a perfect example, John. And what I will say, if you're really, really thinking about your place in the world, if you have an internet connection, a mastery of English, and transportation, you can do anything. And America gives you all three. That's awesome, man. Thank you for that. So let me, let me ask you this, and I, I know I know you. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Not that you're going anywhere, you know, but what, what, what would you like to see happen? What would you like to create? I want Shift Magazine to be the standard for entrepreneurial magazines to where other people model themselves after what we've built with this magazine. I want, um, I want my legacy to be about business learning and about grit, about, about never giving up. You know, uh, you think about the guys going through special ops training and the Navy SEALs doing BUDS and the, the Green Berets doing the Q course. That is the type of, you know, I'm just going to buckle down, endure the pain and get through it that I want people to embrace. I mean, even on my um, my regular days, at least once a week, I go to the beach before the sun comes up and I run eight miles. I don't have to do it. And, and sometimes I jump in the ocean afterwards, but I, I do it because it makes me mentally tough, John. If you go 24 hours without food and then run eight miles at the beach, nothing in your day is going to be that hard. Nothing. <laughs> Great point, man. You know, that's, yeah, I get it. I absolutely get it. And if you could instill that type of motivation 
in in the average person. Imagine what we could do with this population. So I I, I have a, a an inkling that Shift Magazine is gonna is gonna reach that standard. I really do. No, I absolutely believe it. I have a plan for it, and we're we're upgrading everything because this has been a you know kind of a do it yourself thing. People don't know this, but I do everything involved with shift i do the writing the interviews the layouts the design the the web up uploads the only thing i don't do is the cover everything else is me and it shows you know the reflection of you is in that that's the heart and soul of of your of your project and uh that's why i say it's going to get there if you if you earned your phd after all the challenges you had shift magazine will set the standard i know it will so I, let me yeah. ask you this so what kind of message do you want to tell the non-veteran population out there about combat veterans and about veterans in general? I would encourage them to get involved in organizations that support vets, um, really start thinking about the veteran experience. So like, for example, locally, a lot of Marines aren't able to go home for the holidays or Thanksgiving. And I know there's organizations that match up Marines with local families you know, host a Marine for, for Thanksgiving, like host a, you know, a young kid that's, that's away from their family, um, send a care package to, uh, we, we got care packages when I was deployed from a church in Texas and I sent them a coin and a, a handwritten letter. And I, you know, we had a good rapport going, but get involved in the veteran community and you'll see great rewards and you'll meet some of the best people you'll ever, you'll ever know in your life. Great advice. Now, if there's a brother or sister out there who's worn the uniform and they're back in the States and they're having that rough time with transition or, you know, they're in a dark place, what kind of advice would you like to give to those folks? I would tell them to immediately uh, get involved in some type of of support group for for business owners or if it's life, you know, get a counselor. I I had an issue with my life and my mental health not too long ago, and I, I, I called one of the hotlines and the guy really talked me to a better place. And there's no stigma to it, you know, take care of yourself first. And um, if it's business stuff, find a good business mentor or reach out to me and I'll, I'll be happy to, to help out. Um, but you don't try and do it alone. That's number one. If you want to be poor, go at it alone, be a lone wolf. You, you'll never get to where you need to go if you do it alone. Great advice. So how do people, you know, how do they reach you? Uh, they can go to my main website at yournextlevelofsuccess.com. Or they can Google Rob the Warrior Strategist. I'm, I'm all over Google. And then uh, find me on Facebook. That's where I'm mainly at. Okay, so they can go right. Okay, so that's great. And how can they get your book? Tell us about that. Uh, just Google The Next Level Supercharged by Dr. Rob Garcia. And it's available on Amazon and Lulu.com. Awesome. Where do you see yourself in five years? In five years, I will be a seven-figure dual entrepreneur. Uh, I will have a national speaking tour. I'll still be in San Diego and Warrior Strategist Consulting will be a serious force to be reckoned with uh, in favor of the veteran community. I, I plan on becoming a highly sought after speaker and business mentor and just forging those connections. And I really, really want to bring out people's greatness, especially if they don't have the greatest self-perception. You know, the people that have uh, have kind of lost their confidence and I want to give them that confidence and lead from the front and teach them, hey, I did this. You can do it. That's awesome. You know, that's an awesome desire and one hell of a goal. And I can tell you this, we're going to revisit it every year for the next five years. So be prepared, doctor. We're going to get you back and we're going to we're going to talk and we're going to see your progression. And, you know, anything that we can do on our end, you know, with our radio show or, 
you know, with our company, we can, you know, we're there for you to help support you in whatever you need to have done. Uh, all I can say is thank you very much, Dr. Robert Garcia, United States Air Force veteran and serial entrepreneur, mountain climber, big time thinker, a guy out there that wants to help everybody that seeks help. And I can assure you, uh, I was humbled today to have you on the show and uh, I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks so much, John. It's an honor to do this. And I want to thank Chris Hoffman uh, for linking us up. Great guy, isn't he? He, uh, where did I meet Chris? I met Chris in Dallas last year at the Military Influencer Conference. And, you know, he wasn't, not the, he wasn't like he was different. He stood out. And, uh, and if you know Chris, you, you'll understand. You know him like I do. He definitely stands out and he's got a vision too. Oh, absolutely. Chris lives like 15 minutes from me. Great guy, man. I love <laughs> that's That's very cool. I wish I could train with you guys. You know, I, I see, you know, he gets up and he's like you. You go out to the surf, you run the beach like those Navy SEAL guys, and then He's always out taking a hike in the woods, and you know I miss that stuff. Yeah, it's it's we all need our reflective time to you know get, get our best thoughts in. So keep going, warrior strategist Dr. Robert Garcia. Look forward to the next conversation. Thanks for being here. Thanks, brother. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Out of Combat Radio, audio medicine from Green Zone Hero. If you liked what you heard, then tell others about us. Like us and download us. And please remember, freedom is not free, and combat veterans are vital assets. They're not broken.